Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea or your water. Sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for this beginning of a crazy sequence of events. So it started out even crazier this morning as I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to uh, be online. The internet was going in and out, in and out, in and out. And I'm hoping you are all hearing me and seeing me and that we're going to have a stable connection for the broadcast. If something should happen, I'll try to come back on, but you never know when it's like this. Now, so far, so good. It seems stable. I see people out there. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Debbie. Uh, I see possibly the live feed is going on, so I'm just going to act as if. And here we are. So a happy uh, week ahead for everybody. It's going to be one where we're going to have to hold on to our calm and our cool and likely one that is designed probably by the powers that be, the creator above, to keep us a little off guard, to keep us a little bit um, open to going with the flow or uh, flowing with the go sometimes, as I like to say. And whether that means that we're going to have to be able to stay in peace and calm in the midst of crazy, crazy, or whether that means we have to move forward with the way the uh, energy is flowing with us, the thing that we need to do about it all is to stay in our purpose, stay in our uh, loving energy, and that is basically the antidote to everything that can happen from here. Now, it's interesting because I hit a thousand subscribers finally this weekend on YouTube. My husband, the sweetheart that he is, printed me up a little certificate <laughs> says that I, congratulations for reaching a thousand subscribers. Uh, I realized yesterday morning that I was at 999. So I reached out to my family. I said, if any of you out there have not yet subscribed to Living Astrology, would you please go do it so that I can reach 1K? And uh, three family members had not yet subscribed. So now I am, uh, as of yesterday afternoon, sitting at 1,003. Woohoo! The excitement for that is all about being able to um, get a wider viewership for what I'm doing, right? When you have a channel with less than the 44,000 watch hours and the uh, 1,000 subscribers, you don't get as seen, seen as uh, other channels that are doing bigger things or who have attracted more. Their algorithm kind of sits there and thinks, well, if, you know, not that many people are, are that interested in you versus interested in someone else. And boy, does your ego take a hit when that starts to happen. So anyway, it was amazing. But what was funny about it is uh, I began then to put the StreamYard thing together for today. And when I went into Canva, the uh, art um, and graphics uh, program that I use, a big banner pops up and says, congratulations, you've now had, you've now made 1000 Canva uh, graphics. And I was like, oh my God, is this my day of a thousand? It was so funny. So a thousand subscribers on YouTube, a thousand Canva um, uh, graphics that I've made. And uh, yeah, so something about a thousand. So a thousand seems to be the lucky number for me. Maybe I should go play the lottery and win that one point something billion dollars. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would that would buy me a lot more subscribers, I would say. Uh, anyway, so welcome everybody who's checking in this morning. I see Pam and J-Lo and Requiem for a Tuesday. Amanda Jeff, Jeffs, good morning to you. Corey, hello. And Christine Buckingham, good morning. And thank you all. Michelle Gay, good. Good morning. Uh, and thank you all for the congratulations. It's been a long time coming. I, It's been a long time coming. And I didn't realize, um, I had set it as a goal, as a manifestation that I wanted to create back a few weeks back, actually, you know, probably, gosh, when did I start doing the manifesting blueprint? I guess it was in 
August or September. So I set that as one of the things that I wanted to manifest. And then I just totally forgot about it, set it up on the shelf kind of thing, because something else popped up that I really, really wanted. So I focused my and focused it focused my energy there. Uh, so there's something to say, maybe when you reach one goal, but you have another one waiting in the wings, uh, that then the pathway to that one comes open. Now, today, what I really want to take a look at is kind of an overview of what the next 16 days or so will be bringing us, because I feel like these are going to be very important times. Do I think it's all going to be negative and all downhill? No, not at all. But when I say crazy, the, the way that I use the word crazy is that there's going to be a lot going on, a lot of possibilities a lot of maybe some really high sides, you know, of things where things look really, you know, sunny and, and warm and, and exciting and vibrant, followed by where things don't feel so sunny, warm and vibrant. Maybe they feel more like you're pulling threads, trying to get something to happen, or you're pulling and forcing and getting angry and getting upset. And that is kind of what happens when we have a string of events going on in the sky above us, right? As above, so below. So when the planets are impacting one another, then on Earth, we are impacting one another or we are being impacted by the energies characterized by those planets. And of course, today's probably the last day of the calm if you can call it that, although I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of underlying anxiety, anxious about uh, elections tomorrow here in this country, anxiety around that lunar eclipse, which uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Uh, and then maybe even anxiety as I am sort of feeling the call and the pull of all of the rest of the string of events happening after the eclipse. So check in with me this morning. Tell me how you're doing. Good morning, Kajella and Erica and Kathy Miller. It's good to see you all out there. It seems like our crew is out there this morning and that makes me happy. So crew, how are you? Tell me what's going on in your lives. What are you feeling? Uh, are you feeling that? Are you tapping into that anxiety? And do you know, you know, what might be the, the cause for it? Uh, let me know how you're doing with that while I talk a little bit more about the eclipse tomorrow. Now, I know we talked about it. I talked about it with Tam when she was on the show on November. What was that? Second? No, it was October, the end of October. And then I talked about it again with Angel Heart Radio uh, on November 2nd when I was with uh, uh, Annette. And yet there are still some things that we didn't get to talk about that eclipse that I want to make sure that we are aware of. First of all, in an eclipse, one or the other of the celestial bodies, the sun or the moon, are eclipsed, meaning brought into shadow or covered up, unseen, right? So in a, in a, a sort of uh, kind of a, I don't know, a real way, you could say a sort of, I don't even know what to call it, but you could think of it as suddenly the moon isn't visible. And that means that suddenly the energy of the moon isn't available. Just as during a solar eclipse, the sun's energy is eclipsed and it becomes unavailable. Now, ideally, when we have an eclipse, what happens is things change, right? There's a big a big window of time, a portal, a doorway, if you will, that opens up for uh, a lot of drastic things to happen, potentially drastic things to happen. And uh, I just saw uh, something that Erica said where people from her past are showing up. I've had a Groundhog Day dream, seeing the cycles and symbolism. Indeed, you know, that is something that happens during eclipses, often the people from our past or situations from our past, things that we thought we were done with do come back into view. But when I think about the eclipsed moon, what's eclipsed is the divine feminine, right? The moon represents the divine feminine, just as the sun represents the divine masculine. And it is the connection to the divine feminine that gets eclipsed here. So the connection to our emotions, the connection to our traditions, 
the tradition, the, the connection that we have to that feminine part of ourself um, somehow gets eclipsed. And then when we when we you know juxtapose that against the uh, outer world circumstances, things that we see going on in the outer world, we can kind of see that the divine feminine is a bit under assault. And that the uh, the opportunity for all of the um, uh, women and men out there in the world is to really connect more and more to the divine feminine within yourself, right? To bring into balance that divine, that great divine energy uh, in balance with the divine masculine. And then when we look at the gate in human design that the moon and the planet Uranus will both be at during the eclipse, it is the most yin or feminine gate in human design, right? Juxtaposed against the sun at the most masculine gate, the gate one. So we have a channel. Uh, it's not really a channel as in human design channels that connect at one end or the other. But what we have is the connection of two great energies and the, the stimulus would be to bring them into balance in some way or to bring them into harmony. The um, moon and Uranus will be in the third line of that gate. And when I started really researching what some of that might look like, you know, the third line is always the experiential line. It's where we have trial and error, uh, where, you know, we make bonds and then we break them uh, where we have the grand experiment that goes on. So any, any gates or any, yeah, any gates that you have in your own human design that are sitting in the third line are experiential or experimental lines or gates. So the energy can be very um, unexpected that comes through there. It can be, you know, high highs and then, you know, coming down into the lows uh, it can be you trying something that blows up spectacularly, and it can be you not trying, and then suddenly, boom, it happens, like my YouTube channel. Boom. I wasn't trying anymore. I kind of said, okay, I'm putting that one on the shelf, and next thing I know, there it is. So what we have then is the need, probably, for us to maintain a very strong connection to the unseen guidance that we have, our higher selves, right? Our fifth dimensional self <clears throat> resides at the level of the higher self. So we are all on earth connected to the higher self, even if we believe we're not, <laughs> or even if you don't know that you are, I'm assuming everybody who's here with me in the morning understands that we are all uh, connected to another part of ourselves that is in alignment with the divine. And we all have access to that energy. So uh, part of this eclipse will be to show you perhaps where you've gotten out of alignment with your higher self, meaning maybe you're starting to do things in your life that make other people happy. Uh, maybe you're starting to do things in your life or, or stopping doing things in your life that made you happy. Um, so the, 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 the energy of the eclipse then brings us back to uh, our connection to our unseen guidance. So you all have spirit guides, you all have a connection to your higher self, and they're all always available, even if we don't hear or see or feel like they are there. So you have access to that guidance. This is a time then for us to become receptive. The energy of the gate two is about allowing or being receptive to. So being receptive to being guided by your higher self, perhaps being receptive to um, uh, to receiving guidance through your dreams and really understanding that your dreams have a symbology that is from an unconsciousness that uh, or you're from your subconscious mind. Um, it is also interesting to note that the energies of the, the gate that the moon will be eclipsed in really take us into understanding the difference between knowledge and knowing. Now, at first, those words, they're made from the same root word, right? Knowing. Uh, but they're two completely different energies. Knowledge is something that we gain from experience, 
knowledge is something that we gain from um, study or uh, somehow, you know, uh, learning new things or looking things up, doing research. Um, it is something that we do more likely when we're pushing outward, right? We're doing something outside of ourselves to learn something, to gain more knowledge. Where knowing is much more internal, it's an internal process. And so what we see in this eclipsed moon is the knowledge versus knowing right? We can have all the knowledge that we think we need, but still we're missing something because our inner knowing might be telling us something else is going on to look in a different direction, etc. The other potential here, the gate to, did you see that? My internet is wobbling again. <clears throat> I hope you guys can still hear me and see me. Uh, the other potential meaning here is that in the highest expression, we gain oneness, oneness. And in the lowest expression, right now I'm kind of looking at this from the gene keys, in the lowest expression, we have dislocation, not feeling like we belong, um, not understanding that, you know, we're all part of a bigger plan or all a part of a bigger picture. Now in human design, when we look at gate two, oh, it's doing it again. Ah! It still says I'm live, so I'm going to go with the fact that I'm live. Uh, the human design gate two in traditional human design was called keeper of the keys. Let's sit with that for a minute. The meaning of that keeper of the keys. In the old days, in the very old days, the person who held the keys held the power, right? Held the power because the keys represented the opening of a door, maybe an opening of the door to uh, where all the food was stored, maybe a key that opened the door to where all the money was stored, uh, maybe a key that opened a door to where all the people of note could gather. So the keeper of the keys was someone who had power. So in the gate two, what we see is that you are the keeper of the keys. You're the keeper of your own keys. And also then in quantum human design, the gate two is called the gate of allowing. And we, we've, we've dealt with this energy for a while now. This is not us, you know, saying, oh, we have new energy coming in here and that we are going to have to react to it or do something with it. Oh, contraire. This is energy that Uranus has been sitting at for quite the while, for the last several months. This is the energy that the North Node has been sitting at since I was going to look up that date before I got live and I didn't, uh, but at least for the last three months right? So this isn't new. This idea of having to allow to learn how to love ourselves enough to be willing to open up our arms to the flow of abundance, to the incoming flow of love, and to the incoming flow of support that's offered to us not only from our fellow human beings, or our family or community or tribe, but also from our unseen realms right from the unseen realms. So in a large part, this energy of the eclipse is going to take us into where are we needing to love ourselves more, right? Something may open up for you during this period of time that wakes you to that. This is also a gate that goes into self-worth and gratitude. It's a gratitude gate for sure. And faith versus the stress, the fear, the anxiety that then leads us to compromise ourselves, compromising what we want, uh, compromising what we know we could do, right? We'll settle for less. So it is a very powerful time that we find ourselves in, even if it's a bit confusing, even if it's a bit uh, anxiety making, and even if it is a portal to the next 16 days of craziness as we try to settle with what the call is of this new energy or of this, this energy. It's not new. I don't want to, it's not new energy, but as we really need to be called into living out the high side of this energy. Now, um, when I think Tam and I were talking, I think that's how it was back two weeks ago when we were talking about what's coming for November. I think I read to you the Sabian symbol for where the sun was 
or it would be for this lunar eclipse. But I don't believe I read the moon. So I thought, why didn't I read the moon? The moon is the most important part of the full moon lunar eclipse. So I want to read to you what this is uh, for us from the Sabian symbol. This is the 365 days uh, cycle transformation in the 360 symbolic phases from the astrological mandala. And here we have um, a symbolical battle between swords and torches. The keynote energy is refusing to depend upon the past. The seeker turns warrior fighting anew the eternal in quotes, great war. When Gautama, having sought in vain for the answers to his questions among the teachers of tradition, sat under the Bodhi tree, he had to fight his own battle in his own way, even though it is an eternal fight. The spiritual light within the greater soul must struggle against the ego will that only knows how to use the powers of this material and intellectual world, right? Knowledge versus knowing. There is no possibility of escape. It is the energy that arises out of the uh, present moment. It is the unescapable now that the daring individual has to use in this struggle. This second stage symbol suggests that salvation is attained through the emergent individual's readiness to face all issues, all issues, as if there were only two opposed sides. So teaches the, Baga the Bhagavad Gita. This is the Dharma of this stage of human evolution, a stage of polarization of values. And boy, are we not feeling that here in the USA as we get ready to move into uh, the great battle, if you will, of the election tomorrow. Uh, and I'm sure other countries uh, are engaged in their own battles of values, the polarization of values. And asking yourself the question, well, what do I truly value? And then voting with that in our country, because it's voting time, uh, or aligning yourself with that in whatever part of the world that you're in, so that we are always very clear about who we are and about where we're going and about our connection to the higher self or the higher powers that be, if you will. All right, I'm going to go back because I saw Tom posted something here. The eclipse meaning that it's a transitive verb to cause an eclipse of, such as obscure, darken, B, to reduce an, in importance or repute. Hmm. Uh, surpass, for example, her score eclipsed the old record. Uh, Tom says, I like surpass rather than darken, but to be darkened encourages us to bring into balance. You know, did you guys realize this is a blood moon, right? This is a full-on lunar eclipse. Uh, for those of us in the USA, the eclipse is visible through the whole spectrum. It's also visible out into the Pacific Ocean. I believe it is. it loses its visibility for uh, Europe. I'm not sure, though. So check your NASA uh, files your um, or whoever your weather uh, people are in whatever country you're in because it should tell you what the path of totality will be. But here we're going to be able to view the entire eclipse. And my whole point with this was what? Um, even though you don't view it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. <laughs> that is not what I was going to say, uh, but I lost my mind. Okay, it's no problem. Uh, Tom says it encourages balance. J-Lo, uh, interesting, when my mom was alive, she spoke of a, I don't know, a doorway, where a door where three men walked through and kept harassing her. I told her I had the key if I should lock it. And she said, no, they do not know who you are. And that's what they want. JLo, I asked, should I give it to my dad? She said, yes, but he had passed in 2007. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Natasha, good morning to you to add. So I witnessed this and held loving boundaries. Let it move through to see the great understanding that can come forward for both of us. Awesome. Amanda, the eclipse is in my first house. Natalie, ascendant 26 Taurus. And... <sighs> Taurus, 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 right? Taurus energy. You know, uh, I've been thinking about this for a while because what started in 2020 when Pluto and Saturn made their conjunction in Capricorn 
was a destruction of sorts, right? A destruction that uh, of, of the unsustainable things that we had built, right? So underneath that would be the things that we'd built in Taurus, right? Taurus, which takes us back almost even to 2000 when we had a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in the sign of Taurus. And it seems like since 2000, what we started hearing was this louder drumbeat of greed and of avarice and of uh, people buying and buying and, you know, the, the, the world changing in a way that really favored plutocracy, <laughs> plutocracy meaning the wealthy. And then around 2008, when Pluto first moved into Capricorn, began this long sort of spiral, slow at first. Actually, it was actually pretty critical at first. And then slowly this spiraling down of systems. So the economy, a system, right? Uh, the the uh, money and banking, a system. Mortgages, a system, right? Education, a system. The healthcare, a system, blah, blah, blah. So on and on, we've been on this downward spiral of unsustainable um, systems being revealed to us or the unsustainable nature of the systems that we built. Then along comes the nodes shifting into Taurus. First of all, what we had was Uranus moving into Taurus. And then we had our um, nodes shifting into Taurus and Scorpio, North Node and Taurus. And it really uh, is a time, I would say, even though we're still in the period of destruction, right? We're still in that. We, ha we haven't yet cleaned up the destruction of what's happened over the last 22 years. Um, so what we have with this particular eclipse pattern is the potential for what do we want to build in its place, right? And of course, all of that was... Um, brought on in a, a sort of preview sort of way with the next conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn that were in Aquarius, zero degrees Aquarius to be exact, where the potential for all that Aquarius represents was at our fingertips, right? Everything, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, right? The gift, the shadow, the city, <laughs> all of it was available to us at zero degrees of Aquarius. And here we are now, Within the next few months, like two months, three three months from now, the planet Pluto moving out of Capricorn and into Aquarius, right, taking us on that next level of this trip, but we still haven't finished with the destruction, right? We're still not done with that destruction because Pluto does move back into Capricorn as we get further into 2023, and then it will take it until 2024 to move back into Aquarius. So we still have some destruction, some um, cleanup, if you will, uh, to come. But when we really think about, well, what are these eclipses and Uranus and everything bringing us to? Remember, one of the greatest key words of Taurus, besides being the master builder energy, is building from simplicity, making it simple. Right? We don't have to have this elaborate, complex system. As we've seen, complex systems crash hard, especially when some little thing like a little virus comes along, crashes all the big systems, even though we thought we had it all in place, what we would do, how we would respond, what things we would, you know, you know, logically do. <clears throat> right? Nothing went as planned. Nothing has gone as planned, right? Because we're in this very destructive phase. When we look at the eclipse, then I'm bringing this all together for us, is that both of the luminaries, the sun and the moon, are pointed by a square to the planet Saturn in Aquarius, right? In Aquarius. So we really get this idea that we're still in sort of the longer term destruction of what has been and a turning, if you will, of our values, right? coming back into alignment with values. I was even reading an article this morning. It was actually a scary article. I should probably never have read it. Uh, and I didn't read the whole thing to be sure. So I didn't get the high side of the article, but it was about the signs of the United States headed for a civil war written by three different people, three different um, 
people weighing in on what they see as the signs that we're heading toward a civil war. And I'm sure there was a part of it that was going to be about, well, how do we avoid it? And as I was thinking about that, I realized, and I think it was even stated in the article, that at least here in this country, we have been working on the truth of an 18th century document called the Constitution. And here we are in a 21st century, right, three centuries almost later, where that document hasn't been updated, but our values have changed. So, of course, as we're trying to, the Supreme Court and different courts of law, as they're trying to interpret law against the Constitution, it isn't, it no longer uh, is upheld. It's not upholdable in the same way that it was in the 18th century. So even when we look at things like constitutions or the way that our governments, all of our governments, uh, no matter what country you are in, hold their truth to a document or an agreement, either it's called a constitution or uh, whatever, different countries might call it different things, declarations or um, whatever it is that um, might have been upheld ages ago. So what we really see is the opportunity, the responsibility, uh, and the need for us to re to go through a values realignment. So I think that's where the eclipses are really very powerful because they bring us into, in this case, what we would say is a values realignment. We have to realign ourselves with what we value, right? We can't persist in, you know, saying that we value certain things, but then doing things or taking action in a way that's no longer supported against that value, right? So it makes sense that there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening. Now, as we turn into 2023, and you all know, because you've probably gotten emails from me, that uh, my mind is already turning into the year ahead. And as I look at the year ahead, a word keeps popping and popping and popping at me. And that word is faith. And I just saw it was funny because Tom also must be tapping into he's got faith, love and gratitude. Uh, something I don't know what you're speaking about there. Uh, but one of the biggest words for 2023 is all about faith and releasing ourselves from the victimhood of not having faith. Right. And I don't mean faith as in a religion. I don't mean faith as in a dogma, but I mean faith that is trust and surrender, trusting one another, trusting that the highest energy of love will always win and not to make it a battle of winning and losing because that that's an old paradigm as well. But that love always comes out on top when we when we say we value love. Do we really align ourselves with love? That is the case, right? We're going to have to, 2023 also changes our story. It also makes us accountable and responsible, right? Those are the key words that I'm working with right now. Responsibility, accountability, faith, and telling a new tale, telling a new story. And there may be more that pop out as I, as I do more work, but those are the ones I'm working with right now. So we can begin that process now. Obviously, it's in the field or I wouldn't have even been able to come to the feeling that those are the, the, the words. And one of the things that I want you all to think about is right now, Saturn is in Aquarius and Aquarius has to be, uh, you know, all the signs have an up and a down, right? Right. It's how things balance, right? We can't have a middle ground if we don't have the high and the low. And in the lowest energy of Aquarius, we have kind of a, a nonchalant, I don't care kind of feeling. And that's balanced on the other side by we care about our humanity, right? That we are, are really very uh, much um, into oneness and, and peace and, and sisterhood, brotherhood kind of energies, but at the bottom of that, we don't care one whit about it, right? We may talk about it, but we don't take any actions aligned with that. Well, as we move into 2023, Saturn is changing out of Aquarius, having seeded us all with what our responsibility will be to bring in the Aquarian age. He will begin seeding Pisces. And Pisces is where faith 
lives. Pisces is where compassion and empathy live. Pisces is where our higher self or our connection to our God self lives. So Saturn turns very spiritual as we move into 2023. Now, that puts him also in Jupiter territory, right? Jupiter is a co-ruler of the sign of Pisces. So it would seem to me that the path of growth for us all moving forward has to lie in faith has to lie in faith that love will win or that love will come out on top. That when we are loving and kind and generous to ourselves and to others, that it paves the way toward oneness, right? It paves the way toward um, our connection, heart to heart, right? Heart to heart connection. And as well, um, we end up letting go of victimhood, right? The victim energy, because Piscean energy in its lowest is the savior, martyr, victim, right? I can't do what I want to do. I can't go where I want to go. I can't make anything happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, you know, look at all the things that are happening in the outer world that are piling up against me. Those kinds of things where we can succumb to victimhood. Remember in the gene keys, the highest expression of uh, the very beginning gates in, in Pisces are about freedom, freedom, right? Freedom, the gate 55. And the gate 55 is where Saturn will first make a very pl big plunge right into that field of faith. And of course, gratitude, love, all a part of that freedom, a part of that. But freedom comes with accountability. Freedom comes with responsibility, right? It just doesn't get handed to us. So interesting times that lie ahead. Now, questions. Let's see if I'm missing things here. Keep the faith, love, and gratitude is the highest vibe that it transmutes and heals all. That is awesome, Tom. Uh, faith, fully anticipating it to happen, forwarding all issues to heaven, feeling as if there's hope. Indeed, underneath it all, there is there we have that. So thank you, Tom, for sharing all of that. Questions, have them, please post them in the um, chat at the bottom, uh, whether it's a personal question about your own chart or what's happening for you or about the energies. Because now I want to take a look at, well, what is the fallout from the eclipse, right? Because literally from the 8th all the way through the 23rd, right? So tomorrow being the 8th, all the way through the 23rd, there isn't a day that goes by without some major aspect, some major ingress, meaning a planet moves into a new sign that happens, right? So there's no blah day, right? The first blah day comes on the 24th, which happens to be Thanksgiving day in the US. So we could be thankful that we lived through uh, these 16 days of crazy. So let's, let's look a little bit at the at the crazy and crazy doesn't have to be bad, right? When I say crazy, it's that, you know, potential for this whirlwind energy. And what do we do with the whirlwind energy? Do we use it as, do we harness it, right? Do we bring it into usefulness for ourselves and move ourselves forward in some way, having harnessed the energy of crazy, or do we succumb to it and become you know, back, harken back to the past, to the psychosis of trying to do things the same way and expecting a new result and not getting a new result and then going, what happened, right? So the first thing that happens is on the 9th, we have a continuation of the lunar eclipse, right? So the eclipse is over, but by the time we get to the 9th, we still have the sun in an opposition to Uranus and we'll have Mercury in a square to Saturn. Those are still, those are potential expressions of the eclipse so it's not like a new pattern that erupts but maybe just a different lens right a different like if you turn the lens just a little bit you know when you're looking through a telescope right and you're you're looking um and you you dial the focus a little bit because now i want to see something a little further away or i want to see something a little closer in right so i dial so the focus becomes with the sun opposing uranus now the sun remember the, the, the eclipsed piece was the moon. So the sun holding sway now, that's our ego, our personality, our outer selves, our authentic selves, our authority, right? Looking forward to 
something new brought to us by Uranus and Taurus, right? Um, an upswing in the economy. I don't know. A crash in the economy. I don't know, right? This is this is the 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 crazy part of all of this that's going on. Mercury being in a square to Saturn it means that also Mercury has been in a very close conjunction, very close to the sun. So already depositing a new message, bringing a new message of scorpionic nature to the sun, which would be maybe about, well, maybe it's time to release the battle armor. Maybe it's time to release all the baggage, right? That We've talked about this in Scorpio energy. The, the hard part is the old grievances and all of the baggage that Scorpio can carry, right? That then becomes a, a place of drawing upon for passive aggression uh, toward the world or toward other people, right? Calling up all these things that, you know, become weapons. So maybe letting go of the battle armor, letting go of the old and letting go of the the tired, right? <laughs> the things that haven't worked in favor of looking at, well, what's the simplest step forward? So we get that on the ninth. And also at the same time, what we have is a shift out of Taurus, the moon shifting out of Taurus and into Gemini. And who's in Gemini? Mars, right? So we're, we're already, our minds and our communication are already being upended. Falsehoods and versus truthhoods already all of that being upended out there in the world. And now we bring the moon after the eclipse into the sign of Gemini. And then the next day, the 10th, so the moon fully in Gemini that day, uh, Venus is in a trine to Neptune. This is an attempt at salving the consciousness, right? This is the principles of physical love, of love on the planet, of our self-worth, our self-esteem, and the higher principles of love is uh, through Neptune. So unconditional love, universal love coming together in a nice flow of energy. I think it's kind of what Tom's saying here that, you know, it's love. It's our choosing love that becomes uh, the way forward, right? I, I, I think that's kind of the way that you were saying that uh, there, Tom. So then on Veterans Day, Friday, the 11th, the sun comes into the square with Saturn. Now, the, uh, with the sun coming into a square, remember sun uh, conjuncted Saturn uh, in Aquarius back in February. And then we had the first uh, square and then we had uh, the sun in opposition to Saturn when he was, when the sun was going through Leo. And now the sun is going through Scorpio. So we have the closing square of the sun Saturn cycle. Bah, say that 10 times fast. Remember the closing square of a planet to a planet, the moon uh, cycle and any of the cycles is all about the raising of consciousness, right? We discover that there's nothing on the physical plane anymore that we can do. We have to actually shift our consciousness. We have to shift our beliefs. We have to consciously choose our next steps. So the sun and uh, Saturn, then consciously, the sun consciously letting go of the past, letting go of the hurts, letting go of the old, letting go of the baggage, if you will, while connecting to the highest of a new sustainable future with Saturn in the sign of Aquarius, right? Remember what were Aquarian ideals when we talked about Saturn? It was preservation. It was good stewardship. It was conservation right? Things that really allowed us to see how can we support all living beings, right? Including the blade of grass into their highest expression, right? Into their highest. How do we do that? So we see the closing square between the sun and Saturn, and it is a call for us to change our beliefs, to change our consciousness, right? We, we, we have to elevate, we have to make an evolutionary leap, a leap in consciousness, so that's on Veterans Day on that Sunday or Saturday, the 12th, um, we have the moon having moved into cancer. So now we have a more emotionally connected, uh, an, a more emotionally um, 
feminine sort of energy, more willing to be nurturing and caring, but also a little bit security safety oriented. And at the same time, Mercury comes into the trine with Neptune. Now, Mercury rules the mind, plain and simple, you know, mind, communication, what we say, what we think, how we say what we say. Uh, and Neptune, of course, is all is the principle of the soul. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the way we could, you know, look at it. it's that that bigger uh, organizing principle of the universe, universal love, right, or God consciousness, if you will. So now Mercury uh, in the trine and uh, Mercury, you know, at that point, still in Scorpio, in a trine with Neptune and Pisces, really giving us access to our higher self, to our intuition, right, to listen, listen to your inner voice. That's what Mercury seems to be saying here, right? Let Some of you out there with human designs might be um, that have human design emotional centers defined, might have to tune into your emotions, uh, that your emotions are your intuition, kind of, right? Your feelings, what you're sensing, those could be your um, your intuition versus the gut instinct of the intuition that the moon brings us in cancer. So we have both available. It might be your feeling instincts, but it could also be your more intuitive instincts, your gut instincts. Okay. The 13th on Sunday, Sunday, Venus uh, comes into a sextile with Pluto. Now, the, the energy of, of that message Mercury is bringing to Neptune might be about our really tuning into uh, the internal guidance system, which, as we've said this morning, might be faith and love, right? Well, when Venus gets involved now with Pluto, the next day's message might be, now, how does that apply to your relationships, right? Where are your relationships not modeling the energies of love and faith and trust? Where do you have to change the energy of your relationships? Maybe your relationships don't model that at all. Or maybe they do. Maybe your, your relationships are filled with power struggles. That's a possibility also, right? So we have to look at now, how do we apply all this higher consciousness to our personal relationships? And I'm going to pause for one second. Um, Erica Dorsey, this talk of faith and love is fueling my Christmas tree decorating. That is so funny because my daughter yesterday put up her Christmas tree and I'm like, are you crazy? It's not even Thanksgiving yet. What are you doing? And she said, mom, I really just want to sit in front of the fireplace with a cup of tea or my coffee and look at the beauty of Christmas and think about peace <laughs> and be in a meditative space. And I went, okay, cool. If your Christmas tree does that for you, then go do it. Same with you, Erica. I hope that's what that brings you to. And Erica said, I found out there is a meteor shower on my birthday, the 18th. Anything spiritual that happens with meteor showers? You know, what I would say about meteor showers is they hold seeds. They're seedlings, seedlings, right? Um, when a meteor shower comes into our awareness, it is energy that is traveling with those meteors from other star systems or from other places in the universe or maybe even other places in our own galaxy. And as that energy comes into the earth, um, if it comes into the earth, and it must if you see it as a meteor shower, because right, those little, those bright uh, lights that we see from a meteor are, you know, energy that is being seeded here on the planet coming through our atmosphere, ultimately into uh, the earth itself. So what are you being seeded with then, Erica, right? If there is a powerful meteor shower coming in uh, on that day, uh, of your birthday, then you're being seeded with something, something new, some new potential, uh, some, you know, something coming in. Uh, so yes, Erica, you and my daughter are alike in that respect. And then she sent me pictures of her Christmas tree. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And I was like, oh yeah, but that's not enough to make me get my Christmas decorations out yet. Nope, not me, not yet. I'm, I'm kind of traditional in that everything has its right time. <laughs> if I thought a Christmas tree would salve my consciousness right now, I'd probably do it. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, okay, after the 13th, we get to the 14th. And that is another very busy day. It's a Monday. We'll be talking about it that day, I'm sure. Uh, when Mercury comes into the sextile with Pluto and the sun comes into the trine with Neptune. Do you see what's happening? These inner planets 
right? Mercury, the sun, and Venus are all playing with Neptune, right? So Neptune being the guiding principle, uh, i.e. our spirit is our guiding principle. And all of the inner planets that are sort of, you know, peppering us with these aspects, I guess Pluto's not an inner planet, but certainly he's the bigger picture of the, the bigger uh, uh, evolutionary changes that are occurring, are all aligning us, you know, with more and more of being inspirited. Now, that can also bring up the other side where we get into dogma. So we got to watch that. That's likely going to be a picture too, right? Where dogma reasserts itself. So we'll have to watch that over time. On the 15th, Venus moves into Sagittarius. So she's been in her Scorpio self, right? She's been wearing the intense passion energy of Scorpio and now moves into the more adventurous spirit of truth and freedom of the sign of Sagittarius. And on that same day, she comes into a trine with Jupiter. That is a day for optimism. To me, that spells like if you wanted to highlight a day, uh, the 14th and the 15th are really good days. I, we should highlight days. 14th and 15th are really good days energetically for really connecting to the potential high side of what's the future, right? What the future brings. Venus trining Neptune, the two benefic planets working well together. About the only thing we'll have to be aware of is... Um, uh, overabundance of doing something or, um, you know, over uh, estimating how much you can do or how much you can spend, that kind of thing. We'll have to watch that a little bit. Then on the 16th, we have Mercury in a trine to Jupiter. Now we're going to bring messages of hope. Now we're going to bring messages, perhaps of gratitude. Maybe we're bringing messages. Remember now, by this point, Jupiter's back into uh, Pisces, right? We're back into that Piscean energy. So we're on that cusp of Pisces and Aries where the gate 25 is holding sway. And in human design, the gate 25 is all about the love of spirit, right? This part of us connected to source that sees love as the higher guiding principle, but it gets distorted on the planet. And then the next day, the 17th Mercury moves into Sagittarius himself. So now we have our mind changing more toward truth and freedom and adventure. On the 18th, the sun comes into the sextile with Pluto. If there's ever a day for us to take new action on something of an empowering nature, that will be the day, the 18th. The craziness might be, which direction do I move, right? And that's where this these previous connections to Neptune come in handy because the way that you choose the direction to move is based on what your inner self, your higher self, your connection to your inner power tells you to, right? That's what you do. Then on the 19th on Saturday, uh, Mars comes into a square with Neptune. So if we look at where Neptune is in the chart, he's sitting at 22 degrees, 50 minutes of the sign of Pisces. So he's in the third deacon of the sign, which is uh, a, a very uh, uh, scorpionic sort of feeling, right? It's It has a connection. Remember in the deacons, the first 10 degrees are the truest of the sign itself. The middle degrees are truest to the next sign in the series uh, based on the uh, element. So if Neptune is in Pisces, the first deacon, the first 10 degrees is where Neptune had his closest, most uh, po powerful expression of himself in that sign. In the second decan, that would have been the next sign after Pisces, which was, is Cancer. So he would have taken on a Cancer kind of feel. And now in the third decan, he's in the third water sign from Pisces, which is Scorpio. So even Neptune is holding the wisdom of what is it we need to let go of in order to move forward, right? How, how do we have to realign our consciousness, our connection to our higher self in order to, to make this move? So now we have Mars in Gemini at around that same degree, 22-ish degrees. Uh, the, the chart I'm looking at is for tomorrow. So uh, I don't have the degree, but it has to be at least 22 or else it wouldn't show up as an exact on that day. And Mars in Gemini, remember, is having us reimagine to re rethink 
right? To um, to really look for uh, the the overriding truth, right? The um, the principle that aligns the whole of the cosmos, right? So uh, even though a square is often uh, debilitating or challenging, causing anxiety, right? Mars has been in a sort of square with Neptune since last month when he came into an exact Neptune square as he passed through it on his way to his retrograde point. Now he's in retrograde. So now seeding the new potential for uh, all of us inside, right? That new higher spirituality, the new spiritual practice or the more in-depth spiritual practice that you want to claim as a foundation for who you are and who you'll live, how you'll live, right? Uh, so anyway, that's the 19th, the 20th, the sun comes into the trine with Jupiter, nice flow of positive energy. Uh, the 21st Mercury conjuncts Venus. And that is always interesting. Mercury, the, when the inner planets conjunct, they it's like a party, right? It can become a celebration, even though that's a red day, at least on my calendar that I'm looking at, it's a red day. It is highly energetic. Now, Mercury and Venus are both in Sagittarius in this conjunction. So there could be this uh, issue between what's real truth versus what are people telling you is true, right? Right. That's a whole Mars in Gemini conversation in and of itself. Right. What is truth? What is the real truth? And, you know, people yapping at you about what a truth is uh, from whatever side, you know, that they're on. You have to use your own discernment to discover what is truth. Right. So that's coming on the 21st. On the 22nd, of course, that day's a little bit calmer, except the sun moves into Sagittarius. So we get another, you know, very powerful dose of truth and wisdom and uh, freedom and of uh, maybe issues around uh, whether those things are in alignment with our higher selves or not. On the 23rd, the final aspect is a new moon. And that new moon is occurring within, let's see, I think it was minutes, uh, Jupiter turning direct at 2.11 p.m. and the new moon at 2.57 p.m., so we have Jupiter and a new moon pretty much in tandem with one another. And we'll definitely talk more about that aspect as we get closer to it. But I think that is a harbinger of what more is possible. Jupiter turns direct at about 28 degrees of Pisces. And the new moon is occurring uh, together in Sagittarius. So what we have is energy that's flowing between Jupiter changing direction in a sign of spirit, right? Changing direction, moving us forward now back toward Aries, right? New, newness, boldness moving forward. And then a new moon that will occur in early degrees of Sagittarius. So it's an interesting time, right? And then on the 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th, we get a nice needed break. And then the last three days of the month, we have a little more craziness, but I don't think I need to go out that far. Uh, what I do want to do is um, draw a couple of cards for us. And I think today I really want to draw an angel card and uh, a wisdom, uh, yeah, no, a wisdom card, wisdom of the Oracle card and an animal card. Uh, for us for this lunar eclipse and, you know, for things that we can keep in mind as this um, eclipse period goes forward, right? So that's my intention for the card draw is a, an element that we can hold on to uh, that can anchor us in faith. And ooh, this is a good one. Uh, the card is the here and now right? Card 32, which is a five and the here and now. And let's see what that card says. It was right side up, by the way, because in this deck, which is a deck by Colette Baron reed uh, the upside down would mean that we had a um, um, protection message, 32, not 34. And here we go. So right side up, the message, the essential meanings of the card are being fully present in the moment, 
living one day at a time. Yay, so I just gave you a whole litany of information coming for the next 16 days. Please stay in the moment, this card, card would seem to say. Everything happens in the now, in the present. Only this moment counts. You have what it takes to handle anything today if you let go of the need to look into the future or reflect on the past. Be present and notice what is going on right now. This very moment has the potential for you to create miracles in your life. And an animal card. I got to tell you about an animal dream I had early uh, Saturday or Sunday, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. No, it was Saturday morning. Uh, I dreamt I was in my living room and I looked out the window that kind of looks to the north. And there was a great snowy owl sitting in the window looking at me. But what drew my attention wasn't the owl, but behind him on the rocks that are around my big tree out that window uh, was a duck, a mallard duck, a male duck, very colorful. And I went, oh my gosh, look, there's a duck sitting on the rock. And just then the owl spread his wings as if kind of pointing me to my front door. I opened my front door. And when I looked out in my front yard, it was covered with ducklings and ducks and chickens and little chicks. And it was the most amazing thing because there's no one around here that really has ducks and chickens. I mean, a couple of people do have some chickens, but it was amazing, an amazing dream. And I came back and I'm like, wow, I looked up duck and it meant good luck. Does that mean amazing? Lots of good luck? I don't know, but let's see what we get here. <laughs> I got three cards. That is so funny three cards for animals. So we have three guides, if you will. The first one was Wombat Spirit that says, be at home. He was right side up. And the second one was Whale Spirit. Whale Spirit says, trust the great mystery. Also upright. Card 65, which is an 11. Card 68 was the Wombat. A 14, we get a five. And the third one was Peacock Spirit says, let it shine. Card 46, which is a 10, which is a one. So let's see if we can quickly read through what these animal spirits are leading us to. So wombat. I don't even know what, have, I mean, has anybody ever really seen a wombat? I've never seen a real one. Don't even know where they live. All right. Burrowing deep into the ground, remaining safe, sound, and well-fed with family is a special trait of the wombat. Home sweet home is always available if you recognize that well-being is the truth of life. Wombat spirit reminds you that to be truly at home in the world, you need to find comfort within your own skin. You do this by accepting all your experience without judgment through a deep honesty and love of life. When you feel the freedom to be yourself, you can begin to truly feel at home in your life with your family and tribe. Right now, you're in a beautiful place where you can hang up the coat of your identity and settle in to a true sense of home and well-being. Understanding that all is well. Everything you do from this place rings true in harmony with spirit. So home and family and hearth. Maybe the whole Christmas tree and the cup of coffee or tea uh, has holds, you know, something here, right? Uh, whale, card 65. And whale says, trust the great mystery. The message says, whale spirit is an ancient creature who was here at the beginning of time and who has seen everything, felt everything, and heard everything that has ever transpired on this planet. In the hidden realms where all things must gather first before manifesting into form, whale spirit is the keeper, singing the soul of the whole world uh, from the deepest waters of the coldest seas. When whale spirit appears, it is a reminder that there is a great mystery that you must accept without intellectually trying to understand it. Some things cannot be known by the mind, only experienced through the heart, through intuition, and through the peripheral senses that part the invisible veils, separating the visible world from the great manifesting consciousness in the hidden realms. Now is the time for you to immerse yourself in the great mystery of spirit and to trust that within the invisible, what you can't see now are the seeds of your intentions being tended to by angels. I love that. Whale. Okay. Then Peacock 46. So we got to go back this way. I don't know if we've gotten Peacock recently. 
Peacock says, let it shine. When is the last time you shook a tail feather and shined your light for all to see? <laughs> Within each of us is a peacock spirit yearning for expression. And you are called now to show the world the gorgeous creature you are. For you are a manifestation of spirit. Come out from the shadows, peacock spirit says, and show your true colors so that others may be inspired to express their own exquisiteness. Dance as if you remember that you are made of stardust and grace filled with life force energy and sparkling light. You are a channel for divine love and your dance is one of a kind. Catch the light and help it to shimmer and dance in celebration of your good fortune of being here right now. Spirit wants you to be joyful so that others may get up and dance along with you. Woo! Great cards. Great, 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 great cards. <laughs> so whale spirit, wombat spirit, and peacock are our trio of animal spirits for the week. Actually, for the lunar eclipse. And don't forget the here and now. All right, you guys. That is it for me today. Thank you so much. Um, I will see you all on Friday. Take care.